Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Glad you join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. My name is Rory O'Hagan. I'm not all jazzed out yet. Maybe tomorrow. But for now, we're going to give you an hour of the best sport between now and 7 p.m. And a lot to cover over the next 60 minutes. We have a reaction from Shandoon, the Cork County Senior Camogie Champions of the first time in their history after they went over in Ascara today. Going to hear from uh, Lauren Holman and Amy Lee, their boss Trevor Coleman and Ger McCarthy is going to be along to provide analysis for us as well. Reaction from Ford Ryan of Black Rock after their win today in the Cork County Premier Senior Hurling Championship after they defeated Douglas. Going to hear from the new Basketball Ireland CEO, John Fian. Going to hear from uh, Cork City's Liam Murray about his recent involvement with the Ireland Under-17 squad and plenty more as well. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Glad you could join us on this bank holiday Sunday. Certainly plenty to talk about on the show this evening and just watching uh, the scenes at Old Trafford where Manchester United fans are leaving in their droves. They're trailing Liverpool by five goals to nil. Uh, could have been six there were it not for a good save from uh, David De Gea. But it's Man United nil. Liverpool five going from bad to worse as well with Paul Pogba sent off. Forza Red Devils going to get your report on that one in just a bit. But as I mentioned, in Ascara are the SE Systems Cork County Senior Community Champions today. Shanduna, I do beg your pardon. They've beaten in Ascara on a scoreline uh, uh, earlier on today. I'll just get you that scoreline there, just two seconds. But a fantastic win uh, for Shandoon today. And that win over in Ascara, 2-11 to 13 points, was how that finished Amy O'Connor with both goals today for Shandoon. We'll hear from them in just a bit. So congratulations indeed to Shandoon. Elsewhere, there are two quarterfinals down for decision in the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship at Porky Cueve. Today, first up was Black Rock, the holders, booking their place in the last four with a 316-112 win over Douglas. Alan Connolly with two goals for Black Rock. Glen Rovers, meanwhile, have beaten them with killing 115-114, a cracker, an absolute cracker in Porky Cueve. Both sides finishing with 14 players as well. Patrick Horgan sent off after 24 minutes for, uh, he got straight Ricard from off the ball incident. Wasn't picked up on the broadcast uh, that I was watching on the Irish Examiner stream, uh, but uh, the umpires drawing attention to uh, the referee the referee no hesitation John Hoggy straight red card and McKillie's John Cronin saw red for a second yellow card in the second half uh, so yeah certainly a busy game uh, down at Porky Cueve today as I mentioned Liverpool 5 nil up on Manchester United Peter Smith is at Old Trafford Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5 Hattrick for Mo Salah who was the benefactor of the most amazing through ball from Jordan Henderson who took out three defenders with a super pass from the halfway line Salah threw on goal confidently beating De Gea Manchester United nil Liverpool five and Manchester United um, unsurprisingly have been absolutely septic Liverpool have been clinical they have been a pleasure to watch and have taken their chances uh, with Gusto Man United have presented them with far too many chances and don't look at all bothered to be perfectly honest Paul Pogba sent off uh, he was given a red card for a tackle on Abby Keita that's all Keita uh, um, stretched off um, so and that was after a VAR check as well it was a yellow card but that was overturned to a red so United down to 10 still 17 minutes left at Old Trafford and uh, Liverpool <laughs> could get another two or three years the way they're playing they've been absolutely fantastic and you've got to wonder are Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's days numbered 
as Manchester United boss after this uh, performance great performance against Atlanta during the week as they came back uh, to win uh, great second half performance there but they have just been absolutely terrible today but again you have to credit Liverpool so well coached so well motivated so well organised and Mo Salah hat-trick for him today absolutely incredible stuff from him there were two other games today the big one was West Ham beating Tottenham Guy Swindles it finished in 3-2-1 West Ham 1 Tottenham Hotspur 0 a fifth successive London Derby defeat for Tottenham it was a tough game both teams had chances both keepers made fine saves at times the quality wavered particularly with the final ball into the penalty area but there was nothing wrong with Aaron Cresswell's corner in the 72nd minute Declan Rice's run to the near post confused the Spurs defence and the ball just fell for Mikhail Antonio to slam home his seventh goal of the season. That was enough. Spurs couldn't create anything after that and try and salvage a point. West Ham won, Spurs nil. So as we heard there from Guy Swindles, Mikhail Antonio with the game's only goal and his boss David Moyes is delighted with his Good goal scorers get in the right position and you know they talk about how, how all the greats are, the goal scorers have scored their goals so Mickey's still learning his trade but he's doing a really good job at it. So that result leaves Tottenham sixth in the table two points off the top four and their boss Nuno Espirito Santo says his side deserved a point today. We control the game we had chances we, we had possession uh, West Ham is a good team but only create problems on, on counter-attacks on eventual like set pieces but uh they play better they play better but this is football Leicester meanwhile have beaten Brentford today Ian Beach Brentford 1 Leicester 2 a really good game and maybe a sign that Premier League teams might figure out a way to play here at Brentford the home team got off to a great start they had a flurry of early chances and general good play in the Leicester half but Leicester started to control things once Yuri Tielemans gave them the lead with a sweet long range goal in the second half Brentford defender Zanka equalised with a header but Leicester was soon in front again James Madison scoring the winner on a counter attack Brentford 1 Leicester 2 that's our Rangers coming from behind to win 2-1 at St Mirren and return to the top of the Scottish Premiership Alfredo Morelos with the uh, Morelos excuse me with the winning goal just before half time that was his 100th goal for the club this is their boss Stephen Gerrard it took us 20-25 minutes to get going uh, I thought we were second best for, for the opening period for sure St Mirren started the game really aggressive on the front foot and with a better team for 20-25 for minutes Of uh, note there for our boss Stephen Kenny was Jamie McGrath who had to be stretched off with an injury today the next international break just two weeks away as well here at home one game in the SSC or Tristan League Premier Division is drawn to United beat Derry City by a goal to nil at United Park Killian Phillips with the game's only goal in the first half the Irish women's hockey team are going to next year's World Cup. They've beaten Wales 2-1 in their European qualifying final in Pisa. And O'Flanagan scored both goals for Sean Dancer's side. Now the men's team lost 4-3 to Austria in a shootout today in their third place playoff to finish fourth. And they knew coming into that game they couldn't qualify anyway. Golf Cormac Sharvin finished up in a tie for 61st on one over par at the Mallorca Open on the European Tour. Jonathan Caldwell was five shots back in 72nd. The winner was Jeff Winther of Denmark on 15 under par. Leona Maguire finished up level par at the BMW Ladies Championship in South Korea earlier on today Jean Young Ko of Korea winning the playoff after finishing up on 22 under par 
And Lewis Hamilton starting from second on the grade at the United States Grand Prix tonight. Red Bulls Max Verstappen will go from pole position at 8 o'clock Irish time in Austin. His teammate Sergio Perez is in third for Verstappen leading the driver standings by six points going into tonight's race and uh, it's, uh, getting into racing at 8 o'clock Irish time. Uh, Man United uh, Liverpool 5.77 minutes on the clock. Now Liverpool just playing keep ball against the Manchester United side who are begging for that final whistle to come. We're going to start with Camogie and Shandun's historic win today over Inascara in the SE Systems Cork County Senior Camogie Championship final beating Inascara today. Uh, a fantastic result for Shandun and congratulations to them. 2-11, 13 points was how it finished. Amy O'Connor with both goals for Shandun and uh, we're going to hear now from their captain Lord Homan speaking to Ger. Winning county champion from Shandoon, Lauren Holman. Congratulations, absolutely brilliant victory for you. Thanks, William. We're over the moon. I can hardly even catch my breath. Um, oh, I have to speak to us. There's some game, and um, those two goals from Amy O'Connor and a couple of saves from Amy Lee in a real team effort. Exactly, team effort, I says, but the goals from Amy O'Connor are unbelievable. They got us over in the line in the end. Uh, credit to her, credit to every single player on that team, including the subs and the girls on the line. Unbelievable feeling. <laughs> what about Inascara? You know them well. What a challenge they posed to you today, and they were right there near the end. That was the hardest game I've definitely played all season. The girls literally didn't give us an inch. Every single ball they made difficult for us, and we're just so lucky to get over that line. They were unbelievable, stable, don't you, Inascara? Well. I can see this means a huge amount to you, and it means a huge amount to the players representing Shandun. But what a, what a day for Shandun Division! Exactly, it's the first time winning it. Um, I get emotional, but it's just unbelievable to be the first girls to win it, and especially to catch. In the group, I'm actually just so lucky and honoured to be able to kick the cup out of it on their, on their behalf. And that's what it's all about. You can hear the emotion there in Lauren Holman's voice, uh, the Shandoon captain uh, after today's win over in a Scarlet Sol Crown County champions. Going to hear now from Amy Lee. <laughs> Amy, congratulations, Amy Lee, goalkeeper. To, uh, a couple of fantastic saves, but that penalty save right near the end was a big, big moment for you. Ah, yeah. <laughs> If to be honest, it's what, since the rules change, it's one on one. You would think it's easier to score them nowadays, but Jesus, did, there's pressure on the player taking it and the goalie, and just to save it there and for the backs to come in and clear the ball. Absolutely fantastic. Give us a small boost there, keep us going for the last five minutes of the game. I'm glad you mentioned that because you went up the other end of the pitch a few minutes later and took a penalty. Now, were you told to put it over the bar or did you not hear that? I'm going to say, just for the purposes of this, <laughs> I did not hear it. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I have confidence in my penalty taking, to be honest. Um, we'd be practicing them all the time with Karkamogi and stuff. We have a few of us that would go up after training and practice them. And I, to be honest, I thought I caught her, but she made a good save, to be fair to her. And I, I was, so I put it over the bear. <laughs> and what a day for you. What, what a day for Shandun Komogi. What does this mean for Shandun Komogi? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't think people realise, like, so, some of us will never play senior championship ever. None of them will play, like, any Cork games or anything, like, and just for the city divisions that all of Shandun that have no senior team, it's just unbelievable. The buzz they get, like, like we've had girls crying for a divisional team, like, that obviously just says it all, that it meant the world to everyone. Yeah, very emotional victory today for Shandun down in Castle Road as they were crowned uh, champions after the win over in Ascara. Uh, Liverpool on the attack here now trying to make it six against Manchester United. Uh, there's ten minutes left to go and uh, Old Trafford already starting to look as especially empty as well. Man United nil, Liverpool five is how it stands. Going to hear from Jeremy McCarthy in just a sec. First though, the Shandun boss Trevor Coleman. Yeah. Fantastic. 
congratulations, Shandooner Senior County Bogey Champions, and it's a nice ring to it's absolutely unbelievable. As I said to the last day, what these girls have put their bodies through, have put themselves through for the division, and they got exactly what they deserved. I tell you now, they're an absolute credit to their clubs and an absolute credit to the division. And most of all, they're an absolute credit to Kawagi. What they've been asked to do the last couple of weeks, and they've gone over and above and never once complained. They should be seriously looked at for admiration and inspiration, to be honest. Talk to me about the opposition and all the respect you have for Niskar. We talked about it in the lead-in on the big red bench to the county final, but they, they really showed up today and pushed you all the way. Uh, to be honest, Joe, I, I was glad all the talk was about Niskar coming into the game. Okay, but all the talk was there about their Aileen Sheehan, their Joanne Casey, uh, and the three scorers from most of the games. I was absolutely delighted because going back to the last couple of games and no disrespect to Niskar, our goals have been putting up massive scores and individually and collectively the last couple of days we are the last couple of games we had seven scorers eight scorers and nine scorers that's phenomenal scoring to be honest and look if I call a spade a spade I had my issues with or my doubts on the back line but by God they stood up and they answered me today head and shoulders every single one of them to be fair stood up and were counted for on the back line just finally what does it mean what does it mean for you what does it mean for Shandun though more importantly for Camogie and Shandun I, I, I think Joe, it's absolutely massive for the division me personally I've been involved in Camogie all my life I've won the Junior B Junior A County I've added a Senior County to it now look any man out there and especially now coming down the line to Cork League I'd be applying not me personally but just great credit due to the goals in Cork for the Camogie they play and especially the Shandoon division there's a lot of goals out there today one or two of them were dropped off the panel I wouldn't have agreed with with the Cork panel and one or two of them I think have stood up now and put their name forward for Cork going forward whoever that manager may be Right, for more on Shandoon's victory, joined by our man Ger McCarthy, who was in Castle Road today. Uh, Ger, what kind of game was it? Hi, Rory. A uh, brilliant, brilliant game of Camogie. Um, uh, two very, very well-matched teams, as was expected. The game was in the melting pot, coming down the wire, uh, down to the final few minutes. Um, to be fair, Shandoon did just a, a fantastic first-half performance to build a 1-8 to 5 points lead. They got a goal in the second half at a crucial time when Inescar were completely on top and then they held on towards the end and those two goals came from Amy O'Connor but real team effort today from Shandoon um, and from a division you could see the joy and the emotion on their faces immediately after the final whistle this meant a huge amount to them but credit to Inescar for making a fight of it and uh, a really good day for Camogie and Cork Joe we heard from Lauren Holman on the Women in Sport podcast on Thursday just about how difficult it is for divisional teams to get to county finals let alone win one this is a huge achievement for Shandoon it is, Rory, and this may well be the first time a team has won a county final training only once in the week leading up to the final, simply because the Black Rock, the Vincents, the, the Brian Dillons, and the Napiershig and the Bishopstown players and anyone else that was involved were all playing for their clubs. And throughout the campaign, there have been occasions where the Shandoon players have played the day before and then togged out for Shandoon and there was even one occasion where Black Rock played in the morning and then togged out for Shandoon in the evening uh, in the Senior Camogie Championship as well so it's crazy but look at the moment between Camogie GA and the ladies football fixture list as you well know and everyone that listens to the bench knows it's just everything is trying to be, everyone is trying to finish everything at this time of the year mm. there's so many overlaps the dual player is being absolutely stretched to the limit at this time of the year but look Shandoon proved that if you've enough credit if you've enough pedigree if you've enough good players anything is possible and look they were deserving winners and I think it's a real real boost for, for Camogie in Shandoon and as we all know goal to win games Amy O'Connor popping up at two today oh, yeah. 
and two absolute cracking goals. The first one, after 14 minutes, it was a long ball in. She connected, she had two defenders around her, she shimmied inside one and found the bottom corner. Fantastic effort. The second half, though, Rory, that goal in the 47th minute, at that point, it was 1-9 to 10 points. So Shandun had only got one point, you know, in about 15 minutes of the second half. They were under pressure, they were in trouble. Again, long ball in, players hanging off her, and she still managed to find her way through and find the back of the net. A real quality player because she was on, like she was well marked through today by the Inescara full back line in fairness to them. But this was a tough, hard game on a, a very, very good pitch, but a very heavy pitch. And like the players are absolutely exhausted at the end of it, including Amy O'Connor. But yeah, I think those two goals without them, I don't think Shandon would have won. But a word too for the goalkeeper from the Piercing, Cork's Amy Lee, because not alone did she save a penalty with a minute to go in normal time when they were leading 210 to 11 points but then from the subsequent puck out or from the subsequent clearance Shadoon won a penalty at the opposite end and she ran down to take that now she, I saw the coach telling her to put it over the bar <laughs> she disagreed with me afterwards so she decided not to listen she went for goal fair play to Quiva Buckley as well who made a great save so look Amy Lee and Amy O'Connor will probably grab the headlines but take nothing away from Shadoon this was a real team effort and it had to be today to get over in Scar, who were in their sixth final in a row yeah I was just about to mention in a scar Jeremy like, for them to get into six finals we heard from Aoife Cavan as well on your podcast saying that's a testament to the underage structure and the work has been done there at the club disappointment for them but they will certainly be back next year they should be but uh, they should be Rory with the squad that they have but it was absolute heartbreak for them at the end your heart went out to them they were really really disappointed because they tore into Shannon in the second half they they chipped away at that lead and they got it back at one point as I said to two points then they conceded the Amy O'Connor goal had they not conceded the Amy O'Connor goal at that you know third quarter juncture it would have made for a very very interesting finish but they were brilliant and I think to be fair to them you don't reach six finals unless you're doing something right both at underage and adult level and a word for Joanne Casey who finished with eight points and still ended up on the losing team not just her but a lot of very good performances out there today something for the Cork selectors as well which was mentioned afterwards the Cork Camogie selectors and whoever will be the new Cork Camogie manager they get a video of this game or a DVD of this game they'll have plenty uh, to chew over because there was a lot of good standout performances but Inescar aren't going away Rory as you know they'll be back again next year the likes of themselves Shandun again back to defend it the Bars Killer it's a really really quality senior club Camogie scene on Cork right now and I think we had the two best teams in it uh, contesting the final today and a deserving winner. We'll have more on that in the Women's Sport Podcast on redfm.ie on Thursday. Finally, Joe, before I let you go, we had Paddy Murray on the show yesterday speaking about his departure as Cork Senior Camogie Manager. Um, the big question is, who is the next person that is going to come in? It's, uh, it's a big job to fill, big shoes to fill as well, so they have to get this one right. They absolutely do, and they've taken the first proper step in putting together a management or a panel to choose the next manager, including the Echoes, Linda Mellerick, who's been on our podcast yeah. quite a few times, but also George Cunningham and De- uh, Damien Quigley, who's uh, a very, very well-respected figure in the background there. And obviously you've got, uh, I think it's Rena Buckley as well, and the fifth name escapes me at the moment. Apologies to whoever that is. But look, they put a panel together to get the best person in there. They're asking whoever wants to apply for this job. You can't just come in and say you want to be Cork Senior Camogie Manager. They're going to ask you what are you going to do over the next couple of years? How are we going to bring through a lot of the young talent that's been cultivated at uh, under 16 and minor level? It's a huge task. But the team that Paddy Murray and his management team left behind is very, is more than capable of challenging for an All-Ireland again next year. That's the good news. So it's an attractive position. 
from what I've seen, from what I've heard, and from what I've read, a couple of people possibly that are on that management team of Paddy Murray's last year's management team may well be the front runners. Matthew Toomey's name has been mentioned a couple of times. There are others, underage coaches, who will probably apply as well. But look, once you have the management, uh, once you have a management panel in place to try and find the best person, that's the first and correct step. So credit to the, to the board for doing that. Who's going to get it? I don't know. But whoever does get it has a lot of raw material to work with. And uh, you'll tell from not just this week's podcast, but next week's podca- podcast and the guests we've got coming on next Thursday, including a couple of All-Star nominees, this Cork team is absolutely gunning to get back. We heard from Sirius McCarthy a couple of weeks ago. They go back training now if they had the chance. They want to get back out there again, and what they need is a manager to help guide them, and hopefully that process will deliver the right person. And the Women in Sport podcast will be available on redfm.ie on Thursday afternoon at 12 noon. Ger McCarthy, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Always a pleasure, Rory. Mind yourself, bye. Thanks, Ger. That's our man, Ger McCarthy, there. And as I mentioned, Women's Sport Podcast out every Thursday. Some cracking shows recently and an exclusive with Paddy Murray. As I mentioned there with Ger, the uh, outgoing Cork Camogie boss, about his time in charge of the Rebels and what might be next for him, seriously linked with uh, the Cork minor hurling job. So it's uh, fantastic uh, to uh, hear from Paddy. We heard on yesterday's show, but it's available on the Women in Sport podcast. Log on to redfm.ie and click podcasts for that. In the time added on at Old Trafford, Liverpool are playing the game in slow motion, keeping the ball uh, and passing it just around the place. Man United just standing there looking at them. Uh, three minutes to be played, Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5, United uh, playing with uh, 10 players as well. That's Paul Pogba was sent off in the second half for a tackle and abdicated that's all the Liverpool man stretchered off so we're meant to be seeing uh, how he will be alright uh, in the Cubs Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship today Parky Creek Black Rock booking their place into the last four with a 3-16-1-12 win over Douglas Alan Connolly scoring two goals for the Rockies today their boss is Fergal Ryan he's been chatting to Dennis Hurley Bottom line, I suppose, job done, you know, back in the semi-final. Absolutely, yeah. Um, no, very happy with the win. Um, obviously, probably made it a little bit easier by um, Douglas going out to 14 men. Um, but, you know, at, at that time, I suppose, there was a balance, or the balance was in the game, was in the balance, and, um, no, very happy with the win, very happy. Um, that first goal, I suppose, if it had gone against it, it's probably the one you're unhappy with, but, you know, you're, you're going to take any breaks that, that come your way, like? Oh, absolutely, look, I mean, they're, they're around long enough now, and, and they're a mature or they're even more mature, mature bunch each year as we go on and um, you know they, they have to work things up in the pitch I mean yeah. we always say to them that if we're telling them what to do it's too late it's already happening on the pitch so you know they've, um, they're coming a long way um, you know we're true to the next phase which is exactly what we wanted into a semi-final and um, I don't know I, I don't think it's set in stone is it who no, we play no, it's not yeah, yeah so we'll wait and see who will um, who we'll be up against and we'll approach it the same way we have all the other games really and then like playing 15 against 14 like, that's something that you were kind of prepared for you know or it's very it, hard it's very hard to prepare yeah. for that um, you know um, could we have made more use of it I suppose looking at it we probably could but sometimes you know someone sending off gets the other teams I suppose yeah. gander up and um, you know they, they put us under pressure at stages when they were down to 14 men in a lot of stages and you know, maybe unlucky not to get a goal or two yeah. um, extra than they already got but um, you know I thought we defended well enough and um, we created I suppose enough chances for ourselves to, yeah. to come out and winning in the end and like did you think the experience last year is, is standing to the, the lads like you oh, know. experience definitely helps um, and you know the lads have I suppose have been 
in in that setup for the most part of four, five, six yeah. years. So you know, it does help. Um, you know, it could have been easily the opposite way around. Yeah. And and you're saying, you know, you just yeah, on the yeah. day it worked out for us. Um, and I suppose it did help that they were down to fourteen. I suppose in the sense that it, it created a, a little less pressure. Yeah. Just on Tony DC for a cameo appearance there. Is he is he fully fit? Ah, yeah, well, yeah. he hadn't trained. Um, um, so you know, we're trying to mind that part. Uh, yeah, obviously, sure. he went off with a shoulder injury. Yeah. He came on for a blood sub because you know he came on corner forward. Um, it was Alan went off. Yeah. Um, so but Tyg is fine, and um, you know after coming on he did he did get a yellow card. So we just said Jesus, uh, yeah. we didn't want him down to 14. So yeah, and then the other side, John Cashman came off there. He did, yeah. Um, just his knee, um, his knee game probably didn't know what it is. Too early to see it, yeah, but yeah. Um, hopefully he'll be fine for two weeks time. Hopefully, but yeah. again we just have to wait and see what um, is what the doctor and physio say about that. Yes, for the line there of Black Rock all over at Old Trafford, Manchester United and Liverpool file get your full time report on that one in just a second. But uh, a good win for the Rockies today as they beat uh, their old rivals Douglas in Parky Creek three sixteen to one twelve. Glen Rovers defeating Emma Kelly one fifteen to one fourteen in uh, the other semi-final today Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has the look of a worried man about him booze around Old Trafford some first claps and applause from Ole as he walks down uh, towards the tunnel but could be a dead man walking is that his last game in charge of the Red Devils it certainly remains to be seen Alright, we're going to talk basketball now and uh, earlier on this week Basketball Ireland announced a new CEO he is John Fee and he's got an impressive CV that boasts 16 years experience as the CEO of the Six Nations and the British and Irish Lions he also held the same position with the Pro 12 uh, for five of those years as well so vastly, vastly experienced man and uh, I got a chance to catch up with him on Skype earlier on this week at a press launch and uh, this is my chat with uh, Basketball Ireland's new CEO John Fee yeah, I mean, listen, it, there's a, a multiple of things, really. Um, I suppose the, the big one is the potential for the sport in Ireland. Uh, basketball, as you probably are aware, uh, is the fourth biggest sport in the country. It's the biggest indoor sport in the country. And to some extent, not a lot of people know that. Uh, and that's that's sad in a way, you know. Um, but it's also a great potential opportunity. Um, and also, I think commercially, there's lots of room for improvement. Uh, I think um, it's going to be one of those ones where um, there's so much potential um, to grow the sport, not just in terms of the playing numbers, but in terms of the levels of interest with the general public. Um, and to get it into the national psyche as a major sport within the country, I think. John, so, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great challenge, you know. Yeah, I was going to say you obviously have vast experience within the sporting world already at this stage with the Lions and with the Pro 12 and I'd imagine basketball are hoping that you can help raise the game to the next level. Absolutely. Uh, and, there's, and there's a lot we can do. Um, listen, the team that are there at the moment have done a great job. Um, I, I, it's, it, no criticism at all, but I do think I can bring a certain level of experience and understanding uh, and a, a knowledge that probably isn't there at the moment and we, we can really do special things with the sport I think basketball is ready to explode as a as a popular sport uh, and it, it, I just need to help it in that process and as you mentioned as well it's kind of the most diverse and inclusive sport I suppose in the country which is fantastic to see Absolutely. Very, very important. And that's, therein lies one of the greatest benefits it's got. It is so inclusive. It actually um, effectively allows everybody and anybody within the country to get involved in the sport. 
and to have a, nat- a natural interest in it and to show that, you know, it can work for anybody no matter what background they come from or no matter what gender they are or no matter whatever. So the reality is it has the best and most diverse inclusiveness as a sport compared to almost any other sport in the country. And John, I know you don't start for another month officially, but the last 18 months has been hard for every sport in this country, but particularly basketball, what we've seen with the start uh, of the uh, Super Leagues over the last couple of weeks, the excitement that is there around the country for basketball. There's a huge pent-up demand to to get back uh, at the playing level, just to get back and enjoy the sport again. But, uh, you know, people who want to see it as well and want to get involved and go to the games and enjoy the environment, all that's, you know, there's pent-up demand and I, I can... I can see there being huge numbers coming to games over the next little while because so many people just want to get involved again. If I go way back, I, I'm actually, believe it or not, I, I was um, I, I was involved in sponsorship with basketball about 25 years ago with Calester and Lucasade Sport. Uh, I've been involved with all sorts of sports at different levels. I've been involved um, with business consultancy over the last couple of years in, in various sports as well. So, at every level, I, I've, I've kind of, everything from the very small sport to right at the top of the tree, I've been involved in. So I understand that different sports and have different levels in, 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 in whatever market they're in. But the one good thing about basketball is it's ready to go. It's, it's absolutely ready to explode into being one of the really big sports in Ireland. Um, as, as it's seen, I mean, it already is one of the biggest sports in Ireland, but it, it needs to be seen to be as such. Um, so I have no, for instance, with the, uh, when I took on the, well, became the Pro 12 and Pro 14 and now the U, uh, United Championship, um, when I took on the, Mag, what was then the Magners League, it wasn't in great shape. Um, and, you know, in, in, in some respects, the size and the proportions would be not too dissimilar to much of basketball. So I think there's, and not that basketball's in bad shape, it's not in bad shape, but there's so much we can do that can add to it and make it stronger going forward. So I'm, I'm actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a great challenge and it's something I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to working with all the stakeholders uh, in, the, in the game, uh, be that the um, clubs, the volunteers, uh, but also the likes of yourselves, the media, uh, sponsors. There's so many different stakeholders that need to be listened to and talked to. And I'm sure that, you know, when we get a, a plan together, I think we'll be in a good position to drive this sport forward. And uh, just on this past year for Ireland in basketball, we've had some success in, in uh, you know, European competitions. Uh, yeah. How, how, uh, how does that help you, you know, with that sort of base already there to yeah. build off on? How does that help you? Well, I think every sport needs uh, aspirational figures and aspirational teams to go for. And uh, if you you can't be inspired by wanting to play for your country and to play at the highest level for your country, there's something wrong. Uh, similarly, with all the top clubs, you know, we've got to get players uh, below that level to want to play for those top clubs. So at the end of the day, um, the international scene has been very important. It's your shop window in lots of respects for your sport. So we've got to make it as important as any other international in any other sport in Ireland. So we've got to put the programme together to make that happen. Yeah. John, thanks very much. Very best of luck in the job. Thank you, Rory. 
That's uh, Basketball Ireland's new CEO, John Finn. Very, very uh, impressive uh, CV, as he mentioned, uh, with uh, uh, the, what was then the Pro 12 and, of course, uh, the Six Nations and the British and Irish Lions. So uh, plenty of experience, as he mentioned, maybe. Uh, the Magnus League, as was known then, maybe at a similar stature, similar size to basketball, uh, when he came in to take over. So... Look, uh, very, very exciting times for basketball in Ireland and uh, really enjoyed my chat with him and he's plenty of core connections as well so looking forward to welcoming him down to Leaside. Still to come on the show we are going to talk football. We're going to hear from uh, Liam Murray who starred for uh, Cork uh, for the Republic of Ireland under-17s in their recent uh, matches at uh, Turners Cross and the European Championship Qualifiers. That is up next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Right, Peter Smith, Adult Trafford, we go where Liverpool have beaten Manchester United in the Premier League. Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5 in one of the worst days in Old Trafford history with a defensive display that could only be described as lamentable. Naby Keita fired Liverpool ahead inside five minutes. Diego Jota double that lead eight minutes later. Then step forward Mo Salah for a hat-trick completed four minutes after the break. 12 goals in 12 games for him. To compound United's misery, so but Paul Pogba was dismissed on the hour for a lunch on Keita. It ended Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5. One of the worst days in Old Trafford history is how Peter Smith described that performance. Excellent stuff from Liverpool. A lot of questions as to where Manchester United go from here and will Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be in charge this time next week? It's going to be a very, very interesting week and see what happens there. All right, we're going to talk football now and now Cork City's Liam Murray was involved in the Ireland Under-17 squad that played three matches at Turner's Cross in their European Championship qualifiers. Uh, Jeremy McCarthy has caught up uh, with the West Cortland. Now, we're joined on the big red bench by Republic of Ireland Under-17 International, Liam Murray, who was part of Colin O'Brien's squad that took part in the UEFA Under-17 European Championship qualifiers, three games, one after the other, in Turner's Cross over the last week and a half. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Um, first of all, congratulations on being part of what is a very what looks already like a very talented squad. Results have certainly gone your way, beginning with a 5-0 win over Andorra, a 2-0 win over North Macedonia, and then finally uh, a 2-2 draw with Poland. And that sees you through to the elite stage. It, I'd say it's been a hectic but an enjoyable couple of weeks for you. It has, yeah. I mean, so um, we trained in Corinthians. Uh, obviously, that's my, uh, my old club, so it was nice to be back home and See some of the lads and some of the old coaches that I've that have uh, brought me up through the ages and throughout the years. Um, we trained there for the whole camp. Uh, mm. We trained most days. Uh, some days would be recovery sessions, and other days would be walkthroughs of setting up for opposition and the likes of that. Mm. And Colin O'Brien is your manager. How important has he been to you and to the squad and and, and his his backroom team? Yeah, it's been huge, obviously, Cork being, uh, Colin being from Cork, hmm. so that's a huge help to us, and a few other lads who are from Cork, it's nice to have someone who's, uh, who knows who knows the place. Um, he's a brilliant coach, now in fairness, you know, he really, he brings out the best in you, he's honest with you, he's not gonna, he's yeah. not gonna tell you any lies or a bitch, you know, he'll, he'll really be honest with you and down to earth, hmm. and obviously David Myler is there as well, another Cork man, who's a really brilliant coach, have Ian, uh, yeah, he's one of the the main coaches as well he helps with uh, more of the set pieces technical side of the game uh, we have Gary who's kit man mm-hmm. Mark physio and Connor who is the doctor 
uh, Denise, who would be part of operations and all the technical sides of, of the of the camp. Right. So you've got a fantastic team behind you. You've part. You you got onto the squad and got onto the, onto the actual. What is as I said is a very very talented panel. Who are the other Cork City players alongside you and the Irish team? So uh, we have Carl Heffernan, who is a fantastic player. He's captain of our side. Um, I've known Carl now quite a while. Been played up through the ages. He played for Ring Martin while I was playing for Corinthians. So some tough battles with him. Big lad strong and he's a great leader to have uh, there's also Marco Manny who's really come through uh, in the last year he's made his debut and he scored against Mexico he scored in the last four appearances so he's really flying it and uh, also Franco Ume who's been a fantastic uh, player for, for the squad mm. coming on the other day and assisting uh, to get to get the 2-0 win against North Macedonia he's been really fantastic strong quick player mm. And you like having the four court guys together. I assume the banter is flowing in that squad. Oh, it is. Yeah, in fairness, now we all mix very well. It's nice to have some other court lads as well. It makes it easier to settle in. Sure, you know, always have the crack with the lads anyway, regardless. You know, everyone gets along very well. Yeah, you can see that there seems to be a great camaraderie between the squad because, like, even when you and like from from your own point of view, um, a lovely moment coming on against Andorra and at Turner's Cross as well. Yeah, there's a great chemistry between the lads. I think everyone gets along really well. I don't think, I don't, I don't think anyone really has anything against each other, which is which is really important in mm. in uh, the sense that a team who, who wins and gets along really well. But um, obviously, being in Turner's Cross was was unreal because having the home crowd behind you and uh, my family and my friends, it was it was unbelievable. How big a step up, Liam, has it been from club level to international level? Obviously, it's a step up in terms of quality, but I'm imagining the intensity, the preparation, and just being an international footballer at such a young age, it's a lot to take on, but you seem to be handling it quite well. Yeah, it's, it's been a huge step up, but you know, it, it's really an honour to, to play for Ireland, and it's something I love doing. And um, you know, like the intensity is it's huge, it's a huge step up. There's... The quickness of the game has to be fitness, but a lot more of a technical side of understanding the opposition is huge because, um, like understanding the opposition is the massive role in mm. not conceding and scoring and where your threat can be and what you have to defend. And that's clearly being borne out by Colin and all the work that he's done because not alone did you win back-to-back games over Andorra and North Macedonia, but you came from behind against a really good Polish team to get a two-all draw. That shows, I suppose, the depth of talent and also the self-belief now within your squad. Yeah, I mean, the lads have been working very, very hard all weekend. Analysis-wise, we've been in meeting rooms. Uh, we watch a lot of clips on strong players, where their weaknesses are and what we can expose in teams so obviously the lads went 2-0 down which was, was disappointing but they kept the heads up and they kept fighting and then uh, a great free kick from Justin but back to all mm. with a fantastic goal from Marco Manny as well great press from him uh, which is something we've been working on as well press is something huge we work on in training so it's always nice to, to see it paying off Indeed it is and whatever has been done on the training pitch clearly worked. I, I would I would just finish on those three games by saying, Liam, quite an intense period for an international footballer to have so many, like three games in quick succession, albeit at home, but a bit of pressure on you when you're at home, but you've come through it fantastically well. Yeah, it's been a lot in fairness now, but um, I think when the crowd are behind you, it's a massive, massive push on. It really helps lads. I, I think they've, when we go back to the hotel after the games, uh, around the dinner everyone's talking about how the crowd helped mm. 
with 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 pushing through the whole ninety minutes, especially when you know third game day in Poland, you could see the lads uh, struggling with legs, like so, playing three ninety minute games in short in short succession, especially at that level was was tough. But I think the the court crowd were brilliant, helped towards. Uh, pushing through the end. Indeed they were and as you said when you're part of a squad and you're in a hotel and you're in you know it is quite intense it can be you're closed off from a lot of things but the fans getting behind you as we saw um, for the Irish international senior team a sellout in the win over Qatar as well all of a sudden the results at underage level including under 17 bit of confidence starting to, starting to build now at underage level how much confidence do you take when you watch the senior team is that a boost to see the likes of Chidoze Ogbené and Cuivin Keller from Cork coming through and give you hope yourself that maybe one day you could do the same yeah it's brilliant to see because sure, I remember when I was I was, suppose I was 10 maybe 11 years old seeing those lads playing for Cork City and 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 sure, we have an extremely talented team ourselves, and you know they can see the lads coming through. And I think the talent is there, and I think it's just the the attitude to, to keep going is what is all all they need really. And as you said, being an international, you're finished now for the time being. What happens next um, in terms of what you've you've reached the elite stage? But is there a draw or something happening in the near future? Yeah, so there'll be obviously we finished top of our group uh, with seven points, so that puts us in in seed one uh, there'll be a draw then in December for the next elite phase uh, that'll take place in March um, so we'll get drawn with two uh, third and f- or third and fourth place uh, finishers and one second place finisher and that's great news for you because from a club point of view obviously you go back playing club football at some stage but from an international point of view Liam you know have dates you'll shortly have before the end of the year you'll know who you're playing you'll know where you're playing and you'll have targets to aim for yeah, of course. Like Colin was telling us the other day that you know this is only the beginning of a beginning of a long journey to to the Euro finals. So we have a lot to work on, um, a lot of training to do. We'll have probably some home based uh, camps throughout the months leading up to the next phase. Um, so largely need to keep working hard. Obviously, within the next month or so, the season will start to finish in. So it's a it's a lot of responsibility on your own to to keep working throughout the off season. And no better man to do it. Listen, everybody here on the Big Red Bench is delighted with yourself and with the four Cork City lads, obviously together um, being part of such a successful under-17 international team under Colin O'Brien. We wish you well, Liam, and hopefully in December and January we might catch up with you again before you start that elite uh, qualification stage. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's been, it's been brilliant. That's Liam Murray there of Cork City talking about his involvement with the Ireland under-17 squad and very impressive that Ireland under-17 squad are too under Colin O'Brien and as uh, Liam mentioned there special credit as well to David Myler who's part of Colin O'Brien's coaching staff which I'd great to hear from Liam there. Alright, um, earlier on in the week I got a chance to speak to the author of Emerald Exiles Barry Landy, it's how the Irish made their mark on world football and it's a book about Irish players who've applied their trade outside of Ireland and the UK far-flung uh, places and uh, including our own Roy O'Donovan as well who gets a special mention in the book in a very very entertaining uh, chapter but it's a cracking read well worth checking out I thoroughly enjoyed reading through that book it's called Emerald Exiles How the Irish Made Their Mark on World Football and I got a chance to speak to his holder Barry Landy OK on the Big Red Bench now we're joined by the author of Emerald Exiles How the Irish Made Their Mark on World Football Mr Barry Landy Barry how are you sir? Very good, Rory. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Barry, can you tell us, I suppose, the genesis of this book, uh, where the idea came from, and I suppose, the writing process? 
Yeah, well, the idea of the book has always been something that's really interested me. Um, the book is based on Irish football players, male and female, who um, have played outside of the UK and Ireland. So not in your traditional um, leagues that we'd all follow over here. So the, obviously the domestic leagues in Ireland and the, the Premier League, uh, the Football League and Scotland uh, as well. So the book kind of covers everything from, from um, men and women playing in America, Australia, Asia, Europe, all these kind of places, Scandinavia. Um, really just interesting stories, I guess, because they, they haven't followed the, the well-trodden path and they've gone and played their football elsewhere. It's just something I've always been very personally interested in um, why these players choose these routes. Um, they're a little bit unusual, maybe. Um, I mean, the, the players are so disparate in terms of their their level, I suppose, and how well-known they are. We talk about someone like Liam Brady, who was obviously Ireland's best player at the time back in the 1970s and 80s, who went out and, and played in the best league in, in the world at the time in, in Syria and Italy. But then you've got lots of other players who maybe were playing League of Ireland football or low down in the Football League in England who just wanted to try something else and, and to continue their careers in, in another place and experience things while they had the chance to play professional football. Of course, Irish footballers are so connected with the UK. It becomes kind of a big deal when a player does play abroad at a very, very high level. As you mentioned, Liam Brady's probably the best example of that. Left a very successful Arsenal team to go to Juventus. But at the start of his career with Juventus, it was kind of a tough initiation for him. Yeah, it was. He didn't get off to um, the best start. Um, at the time, the most interesting aspect of that is the fact that Italy had actually just opened up to signing foreigners again. There had been a ban on foreign players playing in the country. And um, in 1980, when Liam went over, that was when the ban was lifted. So there was a lot of um, focus on him and the few other foreign players who came into the league. You know, um, a lot of eyeballs on them, seeing how they do. And he didn't get off to the best start. And there was um, some directors there um, questioning whether or not Juventus had signed the correct foreigner at that time. Um, now, he went on to have really two excellent seasons at Juventus. He scored the penalty that clinched them uh, the title as well during that time. So it was really successful. But ultimately, it was actually that foreigner rule that, that sort of ended his time there because in 1982, when they wanted to bring in Michel Platini, they had to get rid of someone to make room in the squad for that foreign player. And Liam was ultimately the man who, who made way. He, he stayed in Italy, obviously, with Sampdoria, um, Inter Milan and Ascoli as well, where he ended his career there, um, or ended his Italian career there, I should say. So he really enjoyed the country. I think the style of play suited him and things like that. And, and at the time as well, I think it was really good for Ireland to have a player of his Caliber. I mean, he was a Ballon d'Or contender at that time. You know, he was finishing in the kind of top 10, top 15 of those lists at the era. So it was really good for the Republic of Ireland to have someone playing at that level as well. Obviously, high caliber players played for the title winning and European Cup winning Liverpool teams. They were playing for Manchester United. There were other players playing for Arsenal who had a big Irish contingent at the time. But just to kind of show that the Irish could kind of compete outside of the UK at an elite level. Brady was the first that really showed 
this is what we could do. We can actually produce players who can play at that level. And I think he's probably inspired quite a lot of people over the years to, to go and, and, and try something else and try something a little different. I suppose when you think of Italy and Irish footballers, you think of Brady, you think of Keane. One footballer who doesn't get, uh, I suppose, enough attention is Anne O'Brien, who won six Scudetti's, two Italian Women's Cups in her time in Italy, sadly passed away a couple of years back at the age of uh, 60. But her career in Italy was incredible. Really incredible. Anne's, Anne's career is is almost without parallel. Um, she actually had first gone over to France uh, as a seventeen-year-old, and you know her time there in France was, was extraordinary under Pierre Geoffroy. Won uh, leagues and cups there before she went out to Lazio. And it's actually funny; she had actually first joined uh, Stade Rem in, in, in France after a, a friendly match in, in Ireland. She was spotted and taken over to France. And then uh, Rem had actually gone and played a friendly match against Lazio. And again, she was spotted. And again, they wanted to take her over to Italy, which just goes to show it didn't take her long to make an impression on people um, who were watching her. Speaking to anyone um, associated with Anne or who played alongside Anne um, in that era, they will tell you that she was probably one of the most talented players of that generation. Um, an incredible talent really um, an attacking midfielder a goal scoring midfielder she was quite versatile could play anywhere across the front um, and I, I obviously the thing we all think about anyone who's familiar with Anna Bryan now will probably know the story that she didn't get international recognition and that's so interesting she won one cap throughout her very long um, football career for the Republic of Ireland and the reason was being that back then the women's team was not exactly what you would call a priority of the FAI and they weren't willing to actually fund and uh, fly back and forth for international camps so she was left out in the cold for so long her, her one cap which I think came against the Dutch if I'm not mistaken um, was actually just when she happened to be back home visiting family anyway and she just came along and played um, and when you actually we speak to uh, in, in the book I interview a lot of current um Irish international women's players and they all speak um, incredibly highly of Anne. In fact, they've only really come to know about her in the past five or six years in that sort of time where she's her profile has, has gathered a bit of um, momentum and, and a bit of consciousness in the public. And, you know, they're so grateful actually to live in an era now where the women's game is given, you know, uh, prominence and importance is placed on it. And there are guys based in, in um, America uh, Louise Quinn and Stephanie Roach have been out in Italy in the past few years um, and they all can come and continue to play international football and play professional football at a high level and not have to worry about will they bring me back it's completely changed now and it's such a shame that for Anne um, it wasn't like that because I think had it been perhaps her profile would be completely different now to, to what it is you know it's only in the last couple of years she was inducted into the FAI's Hall of Fame um, and, and most Irish football observers, be it even fans of the women's game, maybe younger girls, probably don't know enough about Anne than they should. Um, an incredible player and actually someone who, you know, she even had her child, her, her, her boy, Andrea, while she was playing. And within a couple of weeks of having Andrea, she was back in the dressing room, yeah. um, you know, breastfeeding him at the time. And that was just her love of the game actually coming through. She was so, so committed to the game. And even after she retired, she stayed there in Italy and she worked for the Italian Football Federation. She also worked um, with some clubs, doing some coaching as well. She made Italy her home. 
um, in a way. So, I mean, spoken to so many players um, for this book, not many of them end up staying in a country they go to play in and make another home. But Anne did, having left home at 17, she she was so independent and so um, sort of open to, to those experiences and, and making it part of her life, not just a, a quick sort of sojourn and, and then back to Ireland. Yeah, it was fantastic to read her story in the book, I have to say. Um, we mentioned Robbie Keane. Um, his spell into Milan, I suppose, um, didn't obviously work out the way he'd imagined it. And they, they spent a lot of money on him, 13 million quid. He was just a teenager at the time or just out of his teens. And then he's walking into the dressing room, as you say in your book, um, a dressing room that contains like Fieri, Ronaldo, Zamorano, Rocoba. It was always going to be difficult for him to break into that Inter Milan team. Yeah, it, it was. But, but funnily enough, the, the injury issues at Inchman at the time, as you've read, meant that he was pretty much thrown in straight away. Um, so, you know, Ronaldo wasn't available um, at all, I think, that season. I don't think Rikina Ronaldo played. And Vieri didn't come back until towards the end of Ronaldo's um, time at the club, mm-hmm. brief time at the club, I should say. So, yeah, he actually was thrown in pretty much straight away. And the thing that, that really shines through about Robbie is... You know, and we've seen it over the last twenty years. The guy doesn't lack confidence. Um, I think even at, even as a, as a teenager or you know a twenty year old, Robbie was fairly confident that he could mix it with the best, and he didn't let um, didn't let names or reputations uh, get the better of him. So I think in that respect, he was probably actually quite suited to to going out there and, and giving it a go. He did score a few goals. He did perform reasonably well in, in, in the little bits of, of time he did get on, on the pitch at the San Siro but it wasn't Inter Milan weren't going through a great period at that time um, obviously Marcelo Lippi had brought him in um, he was then sacked early on in the season and ironically now in hindsight we can say Marco Tardelli was the man who came in and, and wasn't particularly taken with the young Keane obviously he'd be he'd have to be taken <laughs> with him then years later um, and he had no choice and, and Robbie did the, did the business for himself and, and trapped Tony um, many many times a year later but um, yeah look it, it didn't work out brilliantly for Robbie but speaking to him numerous times since then whenever anyone asks him the question do you regret it no of course he doesn't regret it because it was a it was an opportunity. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to pass up opportunities. We've seen that moves to Liverpool, especially probably being the main example. Um, if something like that comes up, he'll he'll give it a go. Doesn't always work, but I don't think that takes away from from Robbie or his career or, or what he's achieved at all. Um, closer to home for us and we'll have the second part of that interview next we're just running mass to the other time here that was Barry Landy there author of Emerald Exiles how the Irish made their mark on world football which is out now and is certainly certainly worth reading but that's pretty much it from us for the Big Red Bench tonight on this uh, bank holiday weekend hope you're all having a good one hope you will continue to have a good one if you've missed anything from the show you can get it on our podcast which is available on Red FM .ie or you can get uh, it on your various podcast providers as well and if you missed yesterday's show cracking show yesterday including an interview with outgoing Cork Camogie boss
Cody Murray. We're back next Saturday and Sunday between 6 and 7. Green on Red is up next with the legendary Conor Halpin. It might just be three hours of Conor crying, though, following Manchester United's uh, defeat uh, to Liverpool today uh, at Old Trafford. Are you okay, buddy? I'm worried about you. Uh, sure, listen, Rory. I mean, you heard the screams, the rumbling. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know what to say. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I, I mean, he was such a hero of mine. He the Champions is. League 1999. No, he's not anymore. That's it. You can't lose 5-0 to Liverpool and retain the hero status in Conor Halpin's mind. That doesn't happen, Rory. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed now, I have to say. It's affected Conor so much he's referring to himself in the third person. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, folks. Unless you're Conor Halpin, who's going to spend the next night crying. Talk to you next weekend. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.